Need a new podcasting microphone? Here are the best microphones for 2023 and possibly beyond. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel G. Lewis. Which podcasting microphone should I buy? That's one of the most common podcasting questions I see from people starting their first podcast. It is a good question, and while there can be many answers, especially depending on your needs, and that's the key there, your needs, here are what I think are the best podcasting microphones as of March 2023, and I really don't anticipate this list changing all that much unless a couple of these microphones get upgraded. They will probably still maintain their places on this list, but some of the things that I say might change. Follow along in the notes over at the com slash microphones23 or tap or swipe away inside of your app. But I really think you're going to want to go to the website because on the website, while this episode in the podcast feed will switch between microphones for each section when I'm talking about that microphone, over on the website, I will have the full episode recording as recorded from each microphone. So instead of hearing me switch between them, you can hear the exact same episode from those separate microphones if you want to compare them with each other. And speaking of comparing them with each other, this is not going to be a technical episode where I get into the frequency response and cardioid patterns and polar patterns and all of that kind of stuff. I very rarely mention very technical things in here. This is really about the benefits, the features, the pricing, why I recommend each of these and how these microphones can work for you. I will get in depth in talking about some of my thoughts on these, and it will be a longer episode, but I'm not going to bore you with frequency response ranges and that kind of thing. So please follow along in the notes at Tap or Swipe Away or at the audacity2podcast.com slash microphones23. And any of the microphone links that I mention, and probably other links as well, will be affiliate links. So I earn a commission from qualifying purchases through those links. But I recommend things I truly believe in, regardless of earnings. So go to theaudacitytopodcast.com slash microphones23 to follow along and listen to the different recordings. Like any good top list, let's start from the bottom. Number four. You're probably already thinking of the Blue Yeti, and the Blue Yeti gets a lot of hate from experienced and professional podcasters. Why? Well, just because it's only the most overpriced, overhyped, oversized, confused, misused, and abused microphone in podcasting, that's all. <laughs> but you can actually get great audio from a Blue Yeti. Yeah. You can also get good audio from earbuds, your smartphone's built-in microphone, and even the internal microphone on your laptop. Right now, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, you're hearing me from an iPhone 12 Pro now, it's positioned like a studio microphone, and I can't see the screen very well, but it's pointing at my voice. It's a good distance away. I'm in a good room with no background noise, and I think the audio is usable. It's not the best, but it is usable because it's all about how you use the microphone and what you expect from it. I teach that the two most important things to getting good audio are environment and technique. Actually, more important than the microphone itself. First, environment. Microphones aren't magical. If you're in a noisy or reverb-heavy environment, you will get noisy and reverb-heavy audio. 
a bad mic in a quiet and acoustically treated room will probably always be more listenable than an expensive fancy mic in a noisy echo chamber. And then second, technique. You can actually mitigate some of the noise and reverb with proper mic technique. This is usually about where you position and point the microphone, like moving it away from noisy sources, pointing it away from those noisy sources, and where you position and point your voice, like talking into the microphone, not directly into it, but kind of across it so that your plosive sounds, your popping P's and T's and that kind of thing, don't go directly into the microphone. And also making sure that you're close to the microphone. That's what I'm doing with the iPhone 12 right now that I'm recording into, is that I've positioned it on a stand. It's pointing the microphone, the bottom of the iPhone, where the microphone is, is pointing at my mouth as if it's a studio microphone. It's in that sweet spot about four to six inches or 10 to 15 centimeters away. It's pivoted away from me. Now, none of these microphones that I'm recording with have any pop filters, screen protections. They're all being processed the same, all being recorded the same, except for the iPhone because it's recording internally. So it is being used like any of these other studio microphones, but it's the environment and technique that really makes the most difference. Let's go back to the example of the Blue Yeti. Point the front of the microphone, not the top, toward you. See, the Blue Yeti is a very differently designed microphone. It is a condenser microphone, but it's also a side address microphone. So you talk into the front of it, not the end of it, like you would with a studio microphone where it's the top or the end of the microphone. Talk into the front of the microphone. Switch it into cardioid mode so that it's capturing only what's in front of it, not everything that's around it, as much at least. And then keep it close to you, about 4 to 6 inches or 10 to 15 centimeters away. That's that sweet spot. And then pivot it about 45 degrees away from the front of your mouth, but still pointing at your mouth. That way it avoids the plosive sounds. Doing that with even the Blue Yeti or the iPhone like I'm doing right now or other cheap microphones, any microphone, when you're using it properly and effectively, will give you much better results. But how do you normally see people use the Blue Yeti microphone? Normally, I see people talking into the top of the microphone instead of the side or the front where they're supposed to be talking into it. They often have the microphone a foot or two away from them, so it's picking up so much more room noise and reverb than if the microphone was closer. See, you get closer to the microphone and it will pick up your voice more than any of the surroundings. This is why I say environment and technique are more important than the microphone itself. I'm proving that by using the iPhone 12 in this section, in the podcast version. You can hear this whole episode as recorded through the iPhone 12 Pro if you really want to. Go to the notes at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash microphones23 if you'd really want to hear the full iPhone version. I have a feeling what you might be thinking, especially after the last episode where I talked about audio editing tools. Definitely listen to that episode if you haven't already. You might be thinking, well, these processing algorithms in Aphonic and Descript, Adobe Podcast and other tools are getting so much better and smarter. I can give it garbage audio and it gives me great audio back. And while they can make much better audio, especially when they're using artificial intelligence to do a much better job at processing the audio, you will always get better audio quality if you start with better quality. Could you imagine how much different this section would sound going into my iPhone if I was holding my iPhone with my hand? You might hear some handling noise. Or if I was in my bathroom in a noisy environment, a reverb-heavy environment with windows open, cars going outside, and all kinds of noise like that, it would sound so radically different 
than here where I'm recording in my acoustically treated studio space and the iPhone is positioned an ideal length away from me. It's on a stand. I'm not touching it. It's environment and technique that matters actually more, I think, than the microphone itself. That's why I say for number four, any mic when used properly and effectively, you might not need to spend anything. Moving on to number three, the Audio-Technica ATR2100X USB, which is about $80. This is my new, most recommended microphone for starting out because it produces great quality. It's very affordable. While it retails now at $80, it's been as low as $59 at some times. Make sure you go to podcastingdeals.com and follow it to sign up for the alerts so that you get notified when there is a deal on the 2100X, as I like to abbreviate it. And the ATR2100X USB offers both USB and XLR connections. You can even connect the mic to a tablet or smartphone with the proper USB adapter. So your podcasting gear could be as simple as the ATR2100X USB, a pair of headphones, and your computing device, whether that's a desktop computer, a laptop, a tablet, or even a smartphone. And the ATR2100X USB is both USB and XLR. Why does that matter? Well, obviously you can plug it directly into your device via USB, but having XLR means that if you ever need to upgrade to something like a Focusrite Rodecaster 2, a Zoom PodTrack P4, or a Rodecaster Pro 2, you don't have to throw away your microphone because you can simply switch to using the XLR cable instead. You don't get this with USB-only microphones like the Blue Yeti. They lack this ability to grow with you and your podcast needs. But with a USB-XLR mic combo like this, with the ATR2100X USB, you can start with USB and later have XLR and keep the same microphone. Keep it for years and years. In fact, I know of many successful, highly successful podcasters still using an ATR2100X USB or models like it, like the old ATR2100 USB, the non-X version the AT2005 USB, or the Samsung Q2U. And speaking of the Samsung Q2U, while the 2100X, which I'll just abbreviate it like that a little bit here and there, this microphone might seem mostly the same as my previous favorite, the Samsung Q2U. When I got to really try the new 2100X compared to the Q2U, I changed my mind about recommending the Q2U. I now recommend the Q2U only if you have a really tight budget, because the Q2U is normally $59 now, but it's been as low as $35. Again, sign up for alerts over at podcastingdeals.com. So while the ATR2100X USB, specifically the newer X model, started at $100, now it's closer to $80, and it has sometimes gone on sale for as low as $59, I think it is worth the extra cost because of several seemingly small but greatly appreciated improvements. And I was really surprised when I discovered some of these. I'm not sure if other people have noticed this too. And maybe that's why I was so surprised because I haven't heard anyone else talking about this. If someone has, please forgive me. I just haven't heard it. But these were some things, some unexpected things that stood out to me as benefits about the, what I'll call it for brevity, the 2100X. First, Zero latency headphone monitoring on the 2100X, that is. But on the Q2U, it has just enough latency to make yourself sound weird, like slightly robotic. 
that might cause headaches after some long-term recording. And what I noticed for me is that it would cause my ears to stuff up. As soon as I would start speaking, when I had my headphones plugged into the Q2U, my ears would start to get stuffed up. So I'd have to do that annoying thing you see people do on airplanes where they're uh, 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 trying to yawn and get their ears to pop. And I talk for just a few more seconds and then my ears would stuff up again. It was because of the latency inside the Q2U, but exact same headphones. I was using the Sony MDR7506 studio headphones, the exact same headphones then plugged into the 2100X and I didn't get that. I didn't get the robotic Cylon sound as some people call it. I didn't get headaches. My ears didn't stuff up. There was zero latency monitoring through the 2100X headphone port. Second thing I noticed was consistent self-monitoring through the headphones on the 2100X. So you can hear yourself no matter how you adjust the input or output volume on whatever device you're connected to the microphone through USB. This is something that some people might not be aware of is that when you connect the USB microphone to your computer, it shows up as both an input and an output device. And if you want to use the headphones plugged into the microphone, then you have to set your computer to use that microphone as the output. And then when you control the volume, either through your computer or the little volume control on the microphone itself, it's turning up the headphone volume. On the Q2U, the headphone output of your own voice, your self-monitoring headphone output, is affected by both the recording input volume level and the output volume level on whatever that device is. So on your computer, if you had the input gain all the way up for recording, but you turn the output, then you wouldn't hear your own voice while you're talking into the microphone. If you turned the output volume all the way up, but then turned down your input volume, although this one makes more sense, I think, yeah, when you're recording into your computer, it wouldn't pick you up. And also in your headphones, you wouldn't hear yourself anymore. So in order to hear yourself you have to then adjust other parts of volume that might affect other things you're listening to or recording as well. But on the 2100X, your own voice stays at the same volume level regardless of what other things you're changing. So if you wanted to change what that monitoring volume level is, then you get a pair of headphones or some kind of amplifier or something that sits in between that lets you adjust the volume of the headphones. I think this is a good accessibility feature, and it ensures that no matter what you're doing on your computer, you can hear yourself. So you won't get headaches by hearing yourself through bone conduction or anything like that. You will hear yourself very clearly and at a good volume too. The other USB XLR microphones that I've talked about in the past were much quieter in the headphones and in recording. So it would be really hard to hear yourself. I'd often see people say, I don't hear myself talk. And I'd have to walk them through the thing of, well, you have to set your computer output volume to the microphone as well, and then turn up your output volume, and then you will hear yourself better. That's weird, right? Weird instructions. Well, that's not something you even have to think about with the 2100X. You will hear yourself regardless of what other volume settings you have on your USB connected device. And speaking of volume, the 2100X was roughly 10 decibels louder than the Q2U in my tests. And the Q2U is already roughly 3 decibels louder than the old 2100, at least the last time I tried it. So that means that the 2100X is probably around 13 decibels louder than the old 2100. 
This is great. This means your recordings are better. Your live streams or Zoom meetings or anything like that will be better. And you will hear yourself better. I think that's fantastic. I was really surprised that was so much louder than the Q2U in my tests. The 2100 also still surprisingly offers a lifetime warranty. The original 2100 offered a lifetime warranty, but the Q2U and several other XLR USB combo microphones like it usually have only a one-year warranty. The 2100X still has a lifetime warranty. That's really good. Both microphones include some accessories with them, like the XLR cables, the USB cables, and those are pretty good. The stands that come with the microphones, however, used to be a differentiating factor to me because I liked the kit that came with the Q2U. It included a simple three-inch riser for the plastic stand so you could get the microphone a little bit closer to your voice instead of being so far away, depending on the height of your desk or whatever surface you're recording at. The 2100X includes a shorter stand. It doesn't include a little riser like that. But here's the thing. Both of them are plastic and both of them will wear out. And I haven't used my Q2U's stand all that much. So I was really surprised when I did my tests before this episode that the Q2U's stand didn't hold its screw or its grip anymore. It's gone. And that's because it's cheap plastic. They're both cheap plastic. So don't judge them based on the stands that come with them. You'll probably want to replace the stands or use something to get the microphone up closer to your voice. The 2100X also has a USB-C port, which I think will last longer than the old USB port on the original 2100, the non-X model. And that USB port was the thing that I regularly see people say it failed on them, on the original 2100. I think the new 2100X might be better if simply because it's USB-C, which is reversible. So you can plug it upside down or right side up or whatever. There is no upside down or right side up on USB-C. It goes either way. But you know what it's like with the other USB micro and USB mini ports. The first way you try to plug it in is always the wrong way. No matter which way you do it, it's always the wrong way the first time. It's like the universe just doesn't want you to plug it in the first time. You don't have to worry about that with USB-C. So I think that alone will put less stress on the USB plug, making it last longer. I also think it's really nice that it's USB-C because even though it comes with a USB-C to the traditional blocky USB-A on older computers that you'd have, more and more computers are switching exclusively to the USB-C reversible plugs. You wouldn't have to worry about having adapters. Like newer Android devices have USB-C ports instead of micro USB-C or mini USB-C. And there are even rumors that the iPhone 15 which maybe if you're listening to this after 2023 is already out and you already know this, but there are plenty of rumors that the iPhone 15 will finally move from lightning to USB-C. So the big benefit there is it means all you have to have is a USB-C to USB-C cable. That'll help you connect to hard drives, to your microphone, to other equipment that you have. You don't have to carry around a bunch of adapters. I really like that it's USB-C, and I'm really surprised that my number two recommendation, which I'll get to in a couple minutes, is not USB-C, but the 2100X is. So this, plus it's really affordable price, currently $80, sometimes as low as $59. I think this makes it my most recommended microphone for starting out. Is it the best? No, it's not the best, 
but it is my most recommended because it's so accessible. It has such great features. And some of these features, like that headphone monitoring thing, are even better than the more expensive XLR USB microphone I'll talk about next. The main complication you might run into when recording over USB is, well, for one thing, combining multiple USB microphones. That's possible, but it is a little more complicated. The other thing is if you need to, for whatever reason, record audio that's coming from that device you're connected to over USB, like a guest, co-host, or any kind of sound effects that you're playing, the microphone doesn't have any kind of loopback built into it. So if you want to record both the microphone and that other audio, then you might need some moderately complicated input mixing on your computer. That can be done sometimes built in, like with macOS, or you need additional software like Loopback, Audio Hijack, Voice Meter Banana, or tools like that, depending on your platform and what you're trying to do. But this is my number three recommendation, really my most recommended microphone. Not the best, but my most recommended. The Audio-Technica ATR2100X USB for only about $80. Number two, the Shure MV7, currently $249. Imagine all that versatility and future-proofing that I just talked about in the Audio-Technica ATR2100X USB, but add in some built-in processing and effects and package it in a more professional, even higher-quality microphone. That's the Shure MV7. The MV7 is also USB and XLR, so you get all of those benefits, and the MV7 works best when paired with the Shure Plus Motive app, so you can control the microphone's built-in equalization, its built-in limiter, and its built-in compressor. Yes, those are all built into the microphone so that it can do that stuff automatically. You can also use the app to adjust how the headphone monitoring is mixed between how much of the microphone you hear versus how much of whatever device you're connected to over USB that you hear. But unfortunately, it doesn't solve the headphone monitoring issue that I mentioned with the other microphones that the 2100X has solved. If you turn down your PC's output volume when connected to the MV7, you will hear your own voice less. But the MV7 supports firmware upgrades, and there have been some firmware upgrades already. So maybe this is something they can fix with firmware, and that gives me hope that it is fixable so the headphone volume for your own voice would remain a constant level instead of going up and down depending on your input and output volumes on your PC. The only thing you'd have to worry about is whether it's mixed more so you hear more of the PC or more of your voice. And when I say PC, that could be a tablet, a smartphone, a Windows PC, or a Mac OS PC, any kind of computing device. But that ATR2100X USB does maintain your self-monitoring level no matter the input or output volume levels of your USB-connected device. Not so much with the MV7. Also, while the MV7 has a somewhat similar physical design to the Shure SM7B, and I really like that physical design, the MV7 has the XLR plug on the back of the microphone instead of vertically from the top. So cable management could be a little bit of an issue, just like it would be really with any dynamic microphone, but the MV7 isn't as long as several other dynamic microphones are, so it might not be as much of a problem as with other microphones. Like the ATR2100X USB, the main complications you'll run into with the MV7 is if you're trying to record multiple USB devices, then again, you have to use software, little hacks to do that or you're trying to record sound coming from your USB device, and 
your USB microphone. Then you need something like Loopback, Audio Hijack, Voice Meter Banana, or something like that. So that's my number two recommendation, the Shure MV7. And before I cover the number one best microphone for podcasting, I have two honorable mentions. First honorable mention, the Shure SM7B for currently $399. I love the quality, the sound, and the physical design of the Shure SMB. I love how it has built-in shock protection and the beautiful little detail that the XLR plug is vertical from the microphone instead of horizontal out the back of the microphone. So that helps with cable management and concealing that cable. You don't have this thing sticking out of the back of the microphone that then hangs down from your microphone boom arm or anything like that, or that you could possibly bump as you're moving your hands around. It goes up, out of the way, nicely hidden. I think that is beautiful. I wish more microphones would do that. I don't know, maybe that's a patent that sure has to do that kind of thing, but I really like that design. And I'm really surprised that the MV7 doesn't do that. I thought when I first saw the MV7, I thought it was the new version of the SM7B. But no, it's a different kind of microphone. Still good. That's why it's my number two recommendation. But the SM7B sounds great. However, the main thing I don't like about the SM7B is how much gain it needs in order to avoid background hiss in your recordings. You need a really good preamp with a lot of gain for the SM7B. It's the quietest microphone I've ever tested. So that means that you need either additional hardware like an additional preamp, a cloud lifter or something like that, or you need to upgrade your gear so the built-in preamps are good enough to handle the SM7B. The good news is that the latest generation of interfaces and recorders like the Focusrite Vocaster, the Zoom PodTrack P4, and the Rodecaster Pro 2 do finally provide enough gain without needing an additional preamp. But if you're on anything older, you might have to deal with background hiss until you upgrade. Like I, for example, am using the original Rodecaster Pro. So there could be some background hiss with the Shure SM7B. But it's probably so little that you haven't even noticed, or it's even been removed super easily with a tool like Aphonic. I do really hope that they someday update the SM7B to maybe the SM7C. The MV7 wasn't that, but it borrowed from the SM7B. The only thing I'd like to see them update is maybe some stronger magnets or whatever it takes on the inside, so it doesn't need such a powerful preamp. If they did that, and let's say reduce the price 50 or or $100, then the SM7B might be my number one most recommended best microphone for podcasting. Second honorable mention, the microphone that suits your unique needs. In the podcast version of this episode, I'm recording this now back on the iPhone 12, just to illustrate this point again, and also so you get to hear it in the context of really expensive, high-quality microphones. I usually recommend what are generally called studio microphones, especially dynamic studio microphones, because the best place to record a microphone is usually in some kind of, quote, studio, unquote, setting, whether that's a closet in your basement or a fancy recording studio. And just like you can be the CEO of your cubicle, any dedicated space where you record your podcast can be your studio, and it can be your professional studio even if it's your closet next to that thing that your spouse really hates it when you wear. Many microphones serve the unconventional needs of being away from a studio. And that might be exactly what you need for your style of podcasting. For example, 
A handheld microphone that reduces handling noise and has a longer handle and is generally more comfortable and easier to handle for things like man-on-the-street style interviews where you are holding the mic, pointing it back and forth between you and whoever you're talking to. Or maybe you need a small headset mic, like tiny headset, not with headphones and all that, but like you see for public speakers to use, because maybe you are a public speaker and you want to turn your public presentations into podcast episodes. So you probably shouldn't sit on the stage behind a desk with a studio microphone. While there is a certain place for that, it's probably not the kind of thing you want to do regularly. That makes it a little more difficult to connect with your audience. So you might need a micro headset microphone that's very hidden very small, lightweight, but it's right there, and you don't even have to worry about which direction you turn your head like you sometimes do with a lav mic because it stays right there on your face recording your voice really well. Or maybe you have something far more active. Like there's a podcaster I helped one time who told me that he wanted to record his podcast while playing Airsoft. I know that some people enjoy recording podcasts like for Dungeons and Dragons where it's their actual play podcast where you get to hear them tell the stories, make the decisions and all of that. And that's certainly got its market. There are a lot of podcasts out there like that. But I have to wonder, how do you podcast while playing Airsoft? And now let's take a break for our sponsor. Oh, I got shot in the eye. Oh, this is this is actually perfect because our sponsor for this episode is I replace eyeballs and they're offering a special 10% off one eyeball replacement. Oh, oh no, I think I just lost an eyeball, but I'm so grateful for our sponsor because guys, I hold on guys, I need to stop playing because seriously, I just got shot in the eyeball, but I'm grateful for our sponsor because they can replace my eyeball and with my special promo code, you get 10% off. I, I don't know what that was like for their podcast, but they needed something that they could move around a lot more. So instead of that kind of headset microphone that you see public speakers often wear, I recommended a microphone that was similar initially, but it connected to both ears. So it would stay on the head a lot better and thus be far more stable for much more active movement without being this big headset with big headphones and a big microphone in front of their face, which would probably fall off at their first shot or anything like that. Again, that's a very specific and unique need. Maybe you need one of those big kind of headset microphones where it's a big microphone and big headphones as a combo for really noisy environments like at a sports game or covering a conference. Like I've done that before when I went to CES with Todd Cochran's team. We wore these big headsets that had headphones and a microphone attached to it so we could easily hear each other in this very noisy environment and the microphone was right there. So as these people who would come and talk with us on the live stream had no microphone experience, they didn't have to worry about staying on the microphone or pivoting around a microphone or anything like that. Their microphone technique didn't matter because we were able to put the microphone right where it needed to be and it stayed there relative to their head as they turned their head and they could hear us really well. Again, a unique need, a unique kind of microphone for that need. Or maybe you need a wireless microphone for videos or crowded spaces. Or you need to be able to have a hidden or unobtrusive microphone for really natural-looking videos and more. Each of these are unique needs. And your unique needs might be better served by something that is not a studio dynamic microphone. So that's why I say that's an honorable mention. And I've been recording this section with the iPhone 12 Pro, because maybe that's good enough 
for when you are out and about, like at a conference or something like that. I've recorded man-on-the-street-style interviews with a Zoom H1 in my hands instead of an actual interview mic, and it worked because of the technique that I used with that microphone. You can make certain things work. You can make the iPhone work. You can make other things work. It depends on your unique needs. It doesn't always have to be a studio microphone. But if you're in a studio, that's what I recommend. And now moving on to my number one, in my opinion, best microphone for podcasting in 2023 and probably beyond. The ElectroVoice RE320, which sells for $299. It's sometimes been cheaper too. I've used this microphone and recommended this microphone for years. I like this microphone because in my experience... It's the most natural sounding and complimentary for all voices. Plus, its strong neodymium magnets, and I might have mispronounced that, make this microphone need less gain than all the other dynamic microphones I've ever tested for podcasting. So the RE320 is much friendlier for whatever recorder or interface you're using. You don't have to worry so much about the preamps because the RE320 puts out a really nice, strong signal. So you can use it on older gear. I originally bought into the hype of the Heil PR40 when I bought my first good podcasting microphone. And it is indeed still a very good microphone. But I started hearing it too much in all the podcasts I listened to at that time. And I started noticing all those podcasters emphasize the same frequencies that sounded more radio booming instead of natural and relatable. And the more I heard my own voice on the PR40, even though I didn't use the same multiband compression settings many other PR40 podcasters used, I was regularly annoyed with some audio artifacts I was hearing in my own voice. I just didn't like it. And it wasn't that whole, I don't like the sound of my voice kind of thing. It was something about the microphone. So when I heard Dave Jackson from School of Podcasting switch to an RE320, and I noticed that his voice suddenly sounded so much clearer and more natural, I knew I wanted that microphone. And several years ago, ElectroVoice was so kind to send me the RE320, RE20, and RE27ND for testing and review, but I didn't get to keep those microphones back then. And even though when I did those videos, and I'll have a link to them in the notes for this episode at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash microphones23, even though I had more highly praised the RE320 in my original reviews, the more I watched my own videos again later and listened to myself on the RE320, the more I loved its natural sound. The RE20 is a more smoothing kind of mic, kind of closer to a PR40, but the RE320 was much more natural. Then I had the opportunity to meet and interview Rick Belt, the creator of the RE320, at NAB show 2015. He had already seen the review videos that I'd done and he loved how I did them and how I compared the RE320 and the other microphones and such. And he loved what everything I had to say about them. So when I told him that I was coveting the RE320, and that was my word, I said something about coveting it because I was still using a PR40. And I told him that I planned to someday switch. He said, hold on a minute. He turned around, he pulled one from a cabinet and gave it to me. So in full disclosure, I have not paid for the RE320 that I use and have been using for the past several years, but I would have switched anyway. And I was going to as soon as I could afford to switch microphones. And 
I wish I was always using the RE320 instead of the Heil PR40 because I think the RE320 is a better microphone. It sounds better for most voices and there is a market for every voice. I don't think in your podcast you should try to have the voice of God sound enhanced a little bit. Yes, just like if you're a public speaker on stage, you have to be a little bit bigger than life. Your gestures are a little bit bigger, but that doesn't mean you have to be a fake person on stage. You're just emphasizing things a little bit better to communicate a little better. Same thing in podcasting. You just enhance it a little bit. You don't have to be the voice of God. There is a market for every voice. And I think in podcasting, it will sound best when your podcast voice sounds so much like your normal voice or very close to it. And I think you get that with the Electro Voice RE320. So it's quality, it's design, it's loudness level, it's fairly affordable price for the professional quality that you're getting, $299, and it's occasionally gone on sale, not as frequently as some of the other microphones. So all of that together is why I think the Electro Voice RE320 is the best podcasting microphone for 2023 and beyond. Unlike the SM7B, I can't think of anything I would change about the RE320. Sure, you could add USB to it, but you could also just get a separate accessory for that. I think the RE320 is fantastic just the way it is. Maybe some of the physical design could be changed to do some of those SM7B things, or maybe that's a patent for sure. I don't know, but I love the RE320. That's my number one recommendation. So again, to go back over this list, and so you can hear each of these microphones again very briefly in the podcast version of this audio, I'll tell you again the microphones that I recommend. Number four, any microphone when used properly and effectively, like the iPhone 12 or some other microphone that you use well. Number three, the Audio-Technica ATR2100X USB for about $80. Number two, the Shure MV7 for about $249. Honorable mention, the Shure SM7B, $399, especially if they someday release a Shure SM7C. Second honorable mention, the mic that suits your unique needs. Could be the iPhone, could be something else. And number one, the ElectroVoice RE320 for $299. Now, as you're hearing these things you also might be coveting a different microphone like I was at one point. But I encourage you to consider whether you really need a better microphone, even if you're using a Blue Yeti. Now, if you are using a Blue Yeti or a similar microphone that's cumbersome, difficult to work with, or requires you to balance like trying to make a TV antenna from the old days work just to get some good audio for your podcast, maybe you should upgrade. I remember that it was such a wonderful upgrade for me when I bought my first lav mic for recording videos because then I didn't have to use a big studio mic and have it in the shot or try to frame my shot so close to my face, awkwardly close to my face, so that you wouldn't see the microphone. Yes, I've done that before. Maybe you noticed in the past. And then when I upgraded to a wireless system... Wow, I saved a lot of time and frustration from trying to align my separately recorded audio and video when I record videos, because back then I used a Zoom H1 with a lav mic plugged into it, and then recording video separately on my DSLR, I'd have to synchronize those things later. Now with a wireless system, it's all recorded into the same place. I don't have to synchronize it at all. So I did need to switch in that case because something was difficult to work with and switching gave me features, benefits, and relieved some stress and 
problems that I was having. If you're already using one of the specific mics I recommended in this episode and it's meeting your needs, then you have to consider whether the maybe 5 to 10%, unless you're using a really bad mic, boost in quality is really worth spending the additional money, whether that's $80 or $300 or more if you're connecting additional gear to your podcast for the XLR interface and everything like that. In other words, your podcast might have 99 problems, but your microphone might not be one of them. You might actually do better to take that money that you would have invested in a better microphone and invest it somewhere else in your podcast to fix other audio issues like acoustic treatment, a better interface, better software, some training to get better at podcasting, a tool to help you better engage with your audience like mypodcastreviews.com or something else, a plugin for your WordPress website, consulting to help you with a problem, or just hosting a giveaway for your audience like that story show did in 2023. So in the grand scheme of things, your microphone might be the last place you should spend more money on if you already have a pretty good microphone. But if you're struggling, or maybe your iPhone microphone won't cut it, you really want something better, then maybe you should consider upgrading. I'd love to hear what you think of the different microphones and examples I recorded in this episode, especially the iPhone example. And I didn't tell you that at the beginning of this episode, I used a different microphone. I'll give you this hint. It wasn't the ElectroVoice RE320 at the beginning of this episode before I got into the number four recommendation. So comment on the notes at theaudacity2podcast.com slash microphones23 or tweet me at the Daniel J. Lewis or comment wherever you see this episode shared to let me know what you think that first microphone was that I was talking into at the beginning of the episode. Also, go to the notes at theaudacitypodcast.com slash microphones23 to listen to the other example recordings where it's the exact same episode, but you get to hear the whole episode if you want to listen to the whole thing again in that other microphone. So you can easily bounce between the different recordings to hear the exact same section recorded with the different microphones. All the microphones being about the same distance, four to six inches or 10 to 15 centimeters away, all pointing at me off axis, so I'm trying to avoid plosives into them. I have no wind filters or pop screens in front of these microphones. All of them recorded into the same interface, except for the iPhone, of course. All of them recorded at the same level, processed the same. The only difference being they're all normalized to the same loudness level because each of them record at different loudness levels. So you can bounce between them and hear how each one of them sounds. Check that out and share the episode, please, from the audacity2podcast.com slash microphones 23, as well as get the links for any of these microphones or services that I mentioned. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools, it's time for you to go start and grow your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from the audacity to podcast.com and tweet me at the Daniel J. Lewis. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.